millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. We are the Dudley Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Hamplett and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, mm-hmm. where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. But Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. A quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Dynamites. Lots of stuff built towards full gear. But what did you make of this show, Sidge? Oh, right. I did ups and downs uh, for the website. It's a transcript, so don't read it. But it's whatculture.com <laughs> slash WWE. And I settled at six ups and three downs. Okay. That was the ratio, which is... Broadly positive, mm-hmm. um, above average. The ups I gave it were very generous. I thought this was like a really well booked show, mm-hmm. so it didn't have to a degree, to a degree. It didn't really have the qualities that I've not liked about Dynamite this year in terms of being all over the place, structural issues. This was a coherent version of what I think the new AEW uh, is. That was genuinely, <laughs> oh, wow. genuinely a Freudian slip. I'm not doing a bit. This was like a really coherent, well thought out version of what AEW is now. And I don't think I liked it very much. And that was quite alarming to me. Um, I've mourned the lack of detail, narrative focus, just that immersive world building and continuity and just the little granular elements of dynamite. This episode had them, and yet I didn't like it very much. Is it just an AEW thing with me now? And I'll tell you what, I know X is a bubble, and I apologize. I know a lot of uh, viewers don't really go on it, and you do well not to do that. (laughs) But there is something in the air with AEW and a lot of people who used to adore this promotion where they are just slowly relinquishing their love of it. It's not just me. I gather there's a few of you um, who feel this way. A few prominent people who I follow and follow back in mutuals or whatever where it's like, I'm not necessarily sure this direction is for me anymore. Um, There were things that I thought were really well done that I just was just like, meh. Yeah, I was going to say, is it less like inspiring the vitriol that we'd see in the early days of AEW 
where people would see someone like Orange Cassidy, who obviously we we adore, but something awesome. like. Oh, what is this? This is absolutely dreadful that someone like this is getting pushed on AEW television. Is it arguably worse than that? Because it's, like you say, sort of indifference now towards the product. Yeah, I just think um, a lot of people that I follow, and this is total bubble stuff. And yeah, it's bubble yeah. within a bubble because everyone's, you know, social media activity mm-hmm. is curated differently. So you can never, sometimes it's not even a sample, let alone representative of mm. what people think. But And it just feels like there's something in the air. And it's been coming for a long time. But I know something about last night's episode seemed to swing it for a lot of people. I don't know what it was. And hopefully we can sort of narrow it all down and encapsulate it throughout this review. Yeah, I was going to say, because you stayed up to watch it live due to the the niceties of the clocks going back here. It was on at midnight here in the UK. Obviously, you went to America to watch it, but you know. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, I stayed home. It was on fight last night. Yes, good one. Um... In terms of, you got a bit of a taste of that as well, because you kind of went on, again, it's X, so take yeah. it with a pinch of salt. But And you were like, oh, it's kind of a decent show, and then you got hit with, no, it wasn't. Yeah, if you want to avoid indifference towards AEW, just say you liked it. Because <laughs> then you'll find a lot of people that are really angry with it or disappointed mm. with it, all the range of negative emotions, but it's certainly an emotion. Like, I, a lot of last night's show put the mid into midnight instead of 1am star. Uh, but that was mostly the in-ring. I liked... Cedric's helped me understand where we are at with it, this episode of Dynamite. Maybe not AEW specifically, but... It was a WWE-style show-long story, almost. Yeah, I thought, there was, I thought this was quite tight. I saw, like... Di- I didn't see much grey in-ring, but, you know, there's always plenty of that around the corner. It's wrestling in 2023. Mm. You don't get it today, you might get it tomorrow. Like, it's There's just, never a guarantee. There's never, that's never going away. Yeah. Like, like the so, creative might yes. feel dry or uninspired. Like the talent roster is so great, pretty much everywhere that yeah. I'll never worry about a mid in ring dynamite ever. Exactly. Yeah. The safe expectation. Uh, like, and I would even say, like to me, that extends to WWE at this point. But there's always some great wrestling around the corner, so I'm not too worried when the in ring doesn't deliver. But I felt like a lot of the characters. I've said this for a while now. A lot of the characters in AEW are just people. People I'm not interested in. And a few of them took directions I quite liked here. There was a show-long story that I really enjoyed, and I've always campaigned for a few more of them in AEW in general, rather than just the segment-by-segment, here's your bit, and off you go. Mm. Uh, Which, again, based on where the taste seems to be, this isn't for everyone. A few weeks ago, pretty much when we just started doing these on video, I made the point of saying I've noticed a lot of people in good faith reaching out to us directly, People on X that ignoring like the fact that we all have different timelines. Mm. People reach out directly to us because they listen to us, feeling disappointed that maybe their views on AEW aren't reflected. Mm. I, I don't know where that is, and I don't know where that conversation is now because I feel like when we've been negative over the last few months, maybe for a lot of 2023, it's always been with reasoned analysis, with arguments, with discussion points, and a lot of people have reached out to us and said, "I'm sad that this is not echoing my views. AEW is still great." And then yeah, I. Just tweeted fairly innocently after the show. I, I thought that was a really fun dynamite. Yeah, add this, add this, add this. People genuinely replying, that's the worst episode of the year. I felt terrible for that. Jeez. And I will say this, right? I, I think there is definitely longer form conversations to be had about AEW. Mm. Maybe some coming soon. But like, either way, to Sid's point about there was being kind of like a feeling of a pivot point last night, I kind of felt it in the wrestlers. There was an odd energy to last night's show. I didn't feel like, like the crowd just were quiet. They were not. I don't know what the number was, but they weren't engaged, even if it was a full build and it wasn't a loud one. Mm. And a lot of the wrestlers 
just did not seem to have that fire in their eyes. And whether or not that speaks to what we've heard this week about getting creative late or mm. just that, that like that malaise or sometimes... There's a general malaise around this, over yeah. a company when it's not hot. We've said, like, it's not been hot for a long time, but the wrestlers are supposed to distract you from that. Mm. It's their job, if anything, to kind of, like, fake it and make you feel like for this two hours you were locked in to this, like, incredible, like, energised feeling, like, promotion a lot of the wrestlers weren't able to fake it last night. And thats I've never noticed that before on a Dynamite, but I kept noticing that. Well, let's dive into it then. Uh, the show opens with a recap of last week's Dynamite and last week's Collision, uh, the main events, and to set up everything that's happening on this show. Uh, and we go backstage, Renee Paquette's there with the uh, world champion, longest reigning world champion ever now in uh, AW's history. MJF, she uh, asks him about finding his partners tonight, despite having many enemies. And he's made a list of the AW roster, because um, he needs to find three people who aren't a-holes, basically. And he cuts to a screen, there's Adam Cole, uh, at home recovering with his uh, recovery beard. <laughs> he uh, congratulates MJF on being the longest reigning AEW champion and suggests maybe considering Samoa Joe uh, and his offer to help him out. Um, but uh, in comes Roderick Strong and the kingdom. MJF immediately goes, I'm, I'm off. I'm going to go find me some partners for later. And uh, yeah, Roddy says that's a bit rude of Max to walk off mid-conversation. And he asks Adam uh, if he thought, MGF's the devil, right? But Cole's like, oh, I can't even be asked for this, and just hangs up before uh, before he answers. And then the screen cuts to the devil before we get to the uh, opening video package. Is the devil a hacker? How, how do we... Know. Like, I used to hold AEW to a standard where everything had a place naturally on the show. There was no invisible camera or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. various other contrivances. They did as well as any North American wrestling promotion ever to make you feel like, oh, that's why this is happening mm-hmm. and there's no weird, stupid, deranged internal logic. How does the devil's face appear on this program? Is he a hacker? Uh, yes, on those terms, yes, he is. Well, he is, he is. Yeah. You know, remember, right, and again, this might become a theme. I don't want to, you know, romanticize AEW's 2019 run. God knows there was some dreck in it, right? But it was like, and you know, they did the Scientology thing. But like the kind of a polit like with the Dark Order and like the television spoke to Alex Reynolds. I'm not saying it was always great, but uh, remember the contract signing between Cody and Chris Jericho on the mm-hmm. Halloween episode when vlogger Sammy Guevara selfied so himself and then they commandeered the camera setup. Yeah. yeah. And then they showed you the the attack on Dustin Rhodes. That still requires a leap of logic, but there was still like a really nice kernel of an idea mm-hmm. as to this is how it vaguely happened. We've thought about it a little bit. Devil's face just appearing. Like what? What is that? The one for me is there were times when I was campaigning for you know what lads, I'd rather you have an invisible camera and you to your credit would say no, you've got to do it this way. As annoying as it is, is the books and Don Callis. Like they were jumping through hoops to try and yes. create a reason for a. They camera still do that there. now with these pre tapes. Yeah, and I, like and I was saying like. I'm, just have a bit of invisible camera if you want. But the, the point was, no, try and preserve, almost to your detriment, the rules of the universe yeah. established. The devil probably is a hacker. Like, shout out to John Oldfield, regular contributor and nice to us on X. And But he's not the only one that said this. Like, Musfar Ali will soon be free and <laughs> has hacked. Yes. And, like, I'm not, am I campaigning for it? I don't know. It's got history, like, yeah. Yeah, like, he's, he has hacked twice before. And if this, and if this makes sense... And if this, you know, like, if, if part of being the devil is hacking into the feed, like, then 
Yeah, he knows the codes, I suppose. It is weird. It is, it is weird. I like the devil, right? I'm into the devil, but it's very much in the Gabo way. Who's the devil? See you next week. Like uh, that's why yeah. I'm the devil. I, I want to know who it is. I want to see somebody pull the mask off. Like I like the tease with the Doja Cat Brit Baker thing that people yeah. were talking about yesterday. A million theories, and that's what makes it fun because a few weeks ago, there's not a million theories, is there? <laughs> well, not, no one's talking about this. I don't. I, I think they are. Are they? Well, AWR, and they weren't a few weeks ago when we were Again. criticizing it. How many people were talking about who the exalted one was? What an absolutely incredible mm. bit of viral marketing that was. Well, it made you want to with see With all the red so. herrings, with all mm. the red herrings, mm. and Matt Hardy thankfully was a red herring, right? This this had like proper squared circle threads. This had like the little details of Raven being in the yeah. crowd for that battle royal. Like, there's no need to be facetious about this one. People were genuinely into it. I thought it was a masterstroke. Mm. Is there, no one's talking about this in those tones. They're just not. Or I if they are, where is it? That's a loss of investment in AEW. Yeah. Like a lot of it comes to the bigger but picture. So, but of, no one's talking about it, though, correct? No, I saw plenty of it watching live, tweeting along mm. like there. But it's, again, like, it's because of the, like, lack of investment in the product at large. Like, people were into the Exalted one because they were into the promotion. Mm. They were into everything. Like, like lower end of the card, guys picking up wins to go up the rankings was as intoxicating as he's the exalted one, as he's going to be fighting for the title because everything was hot. Like, because everything is cold, nothing feels like it's really getting discussed. There are exceptions, of course, but, like, nothing feels like it's on the tip of everybody's tongue or, like, in the, the point of conversation because it's where AEW is at at large. There was, when the devil was on screen last night, like, you're refreshing for you or whatever, and it's like, oh, so-and-so's the devil. There's a few theories getting th- thrown around. Mm. There was a bit of Mustafa Ali as it was live. <laughs> There's no one theory that's making everybody excited, and that's maybe the problem. Yeah, I think they're two different things. That's but. the problem. But like, I don't know. I like. I want to. I think the reveal is going to be really cool. I, I think this has been thought through. I've got enough trust in the process that this is leading somewhere. You know, like the first time we saw that devil mask, it was massive. It was MJF's return, wasn't it? I don't think they're going to throw that away. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the show opened uh, in yeah, terms of, this happened? in uh, terms of matches. What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> With the uh, international championship on the line, Orange Cassidy versus Claudio Castagnoli. Uh, a lot of excitement heading into this match, and I thought he lived up to it, absolutely. Um, Cassidy doing Cassidy stuff, and Castagnoli doing his usual, what was he called? The wrestling horse. Yeah. By Steen. The human horse. That was human it. Human horse. Uh, he did that, but with Human Adam. horse video. Must just be like uh, Claudio Castagnoli. Best of, right? Don't. Search that. Um, don't. And... Uh, but he's added a, a, a very pissed off element to this because obviously what what uh, either Orange Cassidy or Kazuchika Okada did to Brian Danielson. So he's, in the words of our producer Adam Nicholas, chucking him around like an empty tracksuit early on. Uh, Cassidy tried for a high crossbody, uh, but Castagnoli caught him, tilt a world backbreaker into a gut buster. That was nice to start. <sighs> oh my God. Uh, Cassidy starts winding him up even more, basically, by rolling out to the floor. Um, and that allows Cassidy to post Castagnoli. Uh, he hits him with a dive, but Castagnoli catches the second one and press slams him onto the railing. Uh, and there's stuff with Wheeler, Uter, and Hooker out there, and Bryce gets rid of them. Cassidy escapes the superplex when they go back inside, but uh, Castagnoli just, just strengths him back up uh, and hits a stalling superplex to take us to uh, a break. When we come back, Stun Dog Millionaire from Cassidy, um, but Castagnoli fights back with a giant swing and the sharpshooter. Cassidy shifts his weight to escape, so Gladio just puts him into a crossface in the rings of Saturn. Um, Cassidy has to try and pin him to get out of it, so Castagnoli then decides to just hit him with an uppercut and nail him with those hammer and anvil elbows. 
He wants the neutralizer. Uh, Cassidy crumbles, but uh, not really because he goes for another stun dog. Uh, this time, Castagnoli counters into a sleeper with a giant swing. Cassidy fades, puts his hands in his pockets, then he gets a pin out of the corner. Orange punch, beach break, but uh, Claudio wisely rolls to the outside. Um, Cassidy's kicks start off small, but get bigger until like, it's basically a PK. Um, Miss the orange punch. Cassioni misses a Rainmaker, uh, and Cassidy hits him with a multi-revolution Tornado DDT. Cassioni goes for the pop-up upper, uppercut, easy for me to say, uh, but Cassidy stands on the chest and turns it into a Hurricane Rana pin with his hands in his pockets to get the one, two, three. Claudio can't believe it. Cassidy celebrates briefly. Here comes John Moxley, though, uh, and Cassidy's riled up, so he slides into Brawl with him, but obviously... John Moxley's not just gone 10, 15 minutes with Claudio, so he beats the crap out of him. Security hits the ring, Mox and Claudio beat the crap out of them, and eventually Castagnoli decides, all right, John, that's enough, and he yanks him off a, well, not bloodied, but certainly beaten down Orange Cassidy. Um, And Mox had a great promo that I'm going to get to in due course. What do you think of the opening I'm going to do the bad news first because I did really like this. It was the high point of the show. So I want to be really like not miserable about this thing because two incredible wrestlers worked really, really hard. But I need to point something out like this show. Honestly, I said it was quite tight. This singular episode was, but the problem is they've created AEW such a goddamn mess throughout much of this year that you just can't help but pose questions if you pay attention It's like you're getting punished for paying attention now where you were once so richly Mm. rewarded. Uh, Just to elaborate, right? So, um, Hooker seconded Orange Cassidy. Wheeler Yuta is seconded there. Claudio Castagnoli, right? Okay. They have a bit of a scrap or a bit of a tense confrontation at ringside. So, Bryce Remsburg, and where's the consistency here? At the slightest, merest hint that they might sort of have a fight or detract from the match, right? Right, Remsburg, for whatever reason, and he's getting told to do his job. Mm. Like, bloody right, Bryce Remsburg is a wonderful man, mm-hmm. right? I've met him, he'll never remember, and he was still great. You know, when people talk about <laughs> character, yeah. it's who you are in front of the people who don't count or yeah. matter or whatever. Bryce Remsburg is a wonderful man with a lot of character. Has that video gone out yet? Uh, not yet, but it's, it's going to be going out soon. Keep your eyes peeled on the main channel for Wildest Wrestling Encounters, for a little bit more um, explanation mm. for what Great I'm talking story, about. Though. But Bryce Remsburg doing his job um, as ordered by the booker, or the creative team. God, I never want to say that again. <laughs> the merest hint of Utah and Hook having an argument. It's like, you have to get out. You cannot detract from the sanctity of this professional wrestling title match. I've seen hmm. so much interference or... Fights on the outside where the referees done absolutely nothing. It's a three-week, uh, the referees are tightening up story. Yes. <laughs> that in 2022. Oh, that was ridiculous. <laughs> so that was just... Yeah, inst- the Jeff Jarrett title match the other week. It was <laughs> not exactly... Uh, as <laughs> Instantly that annoyed me because the amount of outside activity that just happens in AEW matches is like hysterical in and of itself. And now the implication is that it won't do and they won't stand for it. What about the last 18 months, two <laughs> years, right? This happens, I'm not stupid, to get Hook and uh, Yuta backstage so Hook can kind of throw hands a little bit. Oh, that won't do. Ejected from the building. Can't do that. Mm. How, how many times do we see a backstage assault? And it's fine. Mm. How often do we see a bust-up, dust-up between two wrestlers, 
not in the context of a sanctioned match and they never get ejected. It happens 20 minutes later on this very show, right? So you can't establish that rule and then immediately break it. I said at the start of this, this was a coherent episode. No, I don't think it was, actually. <laughs> like, I just don't think it was. They do this, right? Completely breaking their own internal rules. So selective, so inconsistent, like so difficult to invest in. Later on, you get edged, battered by Luchasaurus, not in a sanctioned match. Oh, that's fine. Don't eject him. Mm. Right? It's ridiculous. It's selective. <laughs> but they do all of this, and I'm going to be nice about the match soon, I promise, <laughs> to explain why, right? They do this to explain why Moxley can come out, kick the crap out of Orange Cassidy, and there's no one there to have his back, yeah. right? That's why they do mm. this, and they, in doing this, break their uh, internal rules and all the rest of it. What a shame that Orange Cassidy isn't in a stable called The Best Friends, <laughs> and he has no friends, even though he's in Best Friends. He has the best friends. He's in Best Friends to come out and save him, right? Okay, Beretta was on Rampage as well, and everyone knows that's take the same night. Yeah. So where's he? Where's he? It's Beretta versus... Uh, Daniel Garcia on Rampage. Yes. Oh, well, Brett is not his best friend anymore. What a shame. <laughs> Four years of friendship down the pisser. Right, fighting? okay. Is Brett fighting? Daniel Garcia. Is that? <laughs> oh, yeah, like, yeah, that's a guy. I like him. Yeah. Jericho's friend. And what a shame that throughout the course of 2023, Orange Cassidy just simply hasn't teamed with Katsuyori Shibata, Darby Allen, Sting, Danhausen, I know he's injured, okay? Keith Lee, El Hio Del Vikingo, oh God, yeah. Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Bandido in one match. Yeah? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going to partner with Orange yeah, Cassidy. Yeah, you're going to partner. Yeah, everyone's going to partner with Orange Cassidy. <laughs> Eddie Kingston. Um, Penta El Zero Miedo, who's also on Rampage, by the way. At, um, Stadium Stampede, they went to war together. Who's got his back, right? Who has got Orange Cassidy's back? You can't do, you cannot do this and have it make sense to me. They've made, right, and I'll get more on this Survivor Series booking that they are constantly doing, right, all year long. I'll get into more on that. I'm sorry, like, it's going to be a bit of a negative review. I apologize in advance. I will get to this match and how much I liked it, right? You cannot do Orange Cassidy teams with him. <laughs> this sort of novelty wacky, look at this match graphic. It's crazy. You can't do that booking literally, like, every fortnight. Every other week, Orange Cassidy has found a new person to tag with. But he doesn't wear aviators. Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing, yeah. yeah. He's wearing aviators, but he's quite stoic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Goldberg's put his hands in his pocket. Yeah, like, that's what will happen if yeah. Goldberg signs for this promotion, right? You can't do that all year long, and then none of these people have his back. Like, What have I been watching it for, then? It's just so novelty and temporary and not well thought out and cutesy and memey. And that's one of my big problems with Dynamite. Like, it's just not... Like, look at me. I'm an, I'm an inveterate elite nerd. And I'm asking where the real grabs is. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. so cutesy. And if it means nothing, don't do it. Like, start emotionally engaging your audience instead of these piss-about matches. Because if you do all of these piss-about matches that mean nothing, something like this happens and like a dickhead like me can just go... Pick a part of that, pick a part of that, pick a part of that. This match, some of the stuff I saw in this match was absolutely out of this world, and I was so mm. gripped by it. One minor criticism, I thought it could have went a bit more back and forth because I thought that like sort of shootout in the tag match last week was probably a little bit more exhilarating than mm. this. 
But having said that, I, I don't know how you can watch this. I understand as well why Tony Khan books the way he does. In such a scatter shot. Oh, that's my new favourite thing. Way. Because I get it. Like, I'm a recency biased guy. And when I watch Claudio Castagnoli, right, manhandle Orange Cassidy in this match, he was like a mutant. Yeah. Like, not human. <laughs> like, not a human being. Like, a mutant with superpowers. The strength was ridiculous. Like... Catching him from a tornado DDT attempt into a tilt the world backbreaker into a tilt the world world gut buster, oh. picking up by his ears to get him on the top rope to do that. a superplex. I mean, human horse like a mutant. The pick up when he was selling dead. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I did think it was maybe a little bit one sided, like maybe a little bit. But when you watch him in this form, it's like he's the strongest man I've ever seen in my life. It's exhilarating. Like you know, when you're young. And you're like, you love wrestling. You have a chin one of your teddy bears. Yeah. You have just chin one of your teddy bears, right? I had a Hulk right? Hogan and a Sid Vicious yeah, yeah, brawling yeah. buddy. For that exact uh, yeah, yeah, bro, everyone's got a brawling buddy. Yeah. You chin them, and maybe you're a bit old for it. I mean, you still do it anyway. <laughs> that was like, that was this match. It's like he's, he's just he's monstering this guy. <laughs> I will say, Cassidy's comeback was a little bit shaky at points. Like he didn't move off the ropes, and it was a bit... Mm. Yeah. The actual finish, though... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, pop up, stand on your shoulders, hand in your pocket, Hurricane Rana. It's like, it's video game sh- <laughs> It's unbelievable. And it was the best part of the show for me. Yeah, I was a little bit worried, and the atmosphere was down. Uh, uh, the atmosphere wasn't good enough by half. All night, and when it opens and the atmosphere is like that, you're already kind of like, oh, there's a bit of dread in your stomach. It's just going to be one of them whole nights, and especially with this match, because it is the thing on paper that you're most excited about. So if I'm honest, at like the first half, I was just sort of when I'm like, when are we going to get there? And like, it took a while, but then when it got there, <laughs> it delivered, and then some, because their job here was to take what you saw flashes of last week and build them into the body of a proper singles match, and they did it. They absolutely did that. They filled the brief, like at the point at which you uh, you get in the rotation spots and just Claudio just dragging mm. uh, Orange Cassidy around the way he did. It reminded me of those um, those very specific Ultimate Warrior TV squashes where he'd leave his belt on because he was just going to physically dominate somebody so much. He was like, why am I going to take my belt off? Because I'm going to have this guy beaten in like 30 seconds. Mm. Whereas this got to be dragged out over like, not like, not 20 great minutes, but certainly 10 of them yeah. were great. Uh, loved Orange Cassidy's. Uh, the fact that he's still innovating with the hands in the pockets is really impressive because sh- like that should have had an expiration yeah. date and he, he finds new ways. Doing the Brett sleeper counter. Like I know they slipped out by the end, but doing the Brett sleeper counter, the hands in the pockets, like that's that gives you the feeling the first time you see the dive four or five years ago. Like, he used to do a dive with the hands in the yeah. pockets. The way that he keeps summoning that yeah. feeling is really impressive. He's such, he's such a great worker and that's why there's nobody out there now saying that he's not yeah, you know the time has long passed. That's a debate now. Uh, so yeah, this did get great by the end. Uh, it just took a little while. I kind of hated the Moxley beatdown, and if I'm honest, I got that like Claudio not selling it at first, and then just the way he lifted him off. I got the idea that was supposed to be like almost selling this as a little bit haunting, and like can we make this crowd boo John Moxley again? But I to Sidgwick's point. That messaging being so unclear for so long mm. now is just another week of me going, what? Like, what am I? How am I supposed to receive him? Mm. Wow, throwing players, and it's like it's John Moxley. Well, I don't feel that, and then he beats him down like really viciously, and it's like, oh, I hate him, but I don't feel that mm. either. I feel like I just want him to be a baby face. Yeah, I just want him to be a baby face. I know you haven't reviewed it yet, but the way he cuts the promo is supposed to be. 
I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Norfolk's maddest man. I'm angrier than ever. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, but you did that as a baby face and then you followed through and I love that. So all that's, that's doing... I got, I got glimpses. I was like, there's the mocks that I've missed. But all that's doing is reminding me of the guy that I loved and the task he's on at the moment is to bludgeon the like hard-fought babyface champion. I don't get it. I do not get it with Moxley in the BCC at all. I'll get your thoughts on the Moxie promo after I run through it. Uh, He's backstage. Spoiler, I thought it was great. Yeah, he's talking about how Phoenix kamikaze himself, injured Moxley, Orange Cassidy just picked up the pieces. He showed Cassidy respect when no one else would, but like everyone else, Cassidy wrote off Moxley. You know, maybe he's just not having a great time of it right now. Maybe he's just having a bad day or whatever, and Cassidy's in the wrong place at the wrong time, but a full gear, he's going to win his title back and beat Cassidy within an inch of his life. And I was like, there he is. There's John Moxley. I liked it at the time, this promo, and I liked it even more after the show unfolded. Watching a total badass in the wrestling alternative to sports entertainment be a badass, cut a short, succinct promo, fire down the lens, should not have been as refreshing as it was. Yeah. It should not have been as refreshing as it was this. This should just be AEW. I'll say this for it, because it was so good, obviously. Well, yeah, his delivery yeah, is fantastic. But um, like, and I haven't seen this in so long. Yeah, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, why aren't they talking on this program every week? And this exists, you would assume, to really put Orange Cassidy over, doesn't it? Because Orange Cassidy, you would think, is going to beat this John Moxley. And that's really putting Orange Cassidy over as much as, like, 10 wins in the prior mm. ring would have done. So I absolutely get the purpose of it. I just still don't feel like I like or particularly gravitate towards this character. Maybe if he's just doing it as wholesale babyface again, it'll feel back. I just don't know if he's miscast. Mm. I just love the babyface John Moxley so much away from the trappings of the BCC that I, like, miss maybe. Yeah. Uh, in amongst all this, MJF's backstage. He's psyching himself up to try and recruit his first partner, and it's outside Kenny Omega's locker room. He knocks, but Chris Jericho answers, smiles at him, and just slams the door in his face. MJF sighs, goes to walk away. Well, I'd love that, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. Uh, Wardlow jumps him, chokes him against the wall, saying, you took everything from me, so I'm going to take everything from you when you least expect it. He Drops him down. MGF looks a little bit shaken up, but he picks up his clipboard, goes to walk off, and then, of course, worst possible timing, there's the acclaim to offer a scissor, and MJF just storms off. Bowens yells at Max. Oh, Damn it. Loved it. I love this so much, man. Like, I was, like, fizzing when he's at Kenny Omega's door. I can't believe they're doing it. Because I'd said this on the previous yeah, day, yeah. forgetting about that crap tag match. I was like, cool, they can forget about that crap match because Kenny can work it twice because Kenny Omega in this tag match is a squash, basically. So I was really excited. Love the Jericho thing. I've said this with a few other things. AW's four years old. It's old enough now that there can be these, like, stare downs. We've fought in the past and forget the rubbish bits because the good bits were really good. Like, uh, the, you know, we sang over a steak dinner once. Oh, my God. Like, there, there's mm -hmm. enough there. There's loads of characters that have these little moments, and you should use these. You absolutely mm. should use these. So that was really exciting. Um, the payoff of something I wasn't expecting to like and did, but the acclaimed Max Caster specifically chasing him all night. I love that they kept coming up with creative ways, and as you say, the timing of it couldn't have been worse. Mm. It's like... Not now, Max. Do it Do it later when he's absolutely at his wit's end. So I quite like that as a runner throughout the night as well. And best of all was the Wardlow bit. Because in AEW, and maybe I'm clinging on to an AEW that is dead. I don't know. But in AEW, Wardlow, we know that Wardlow is targeting MJF and he's not even been subtle about it. It's on the wrist tape and he's name-checked him at this point. For MJF to continue to no-sell it would make him look stupid. Not even because he's not watching the show. I've kind of just had to... When Eddie Kingston stopped watching the show, I was like, right, so that's dead. Yeah. That rule is dead. But MJF, the character, the world champion that knows that he's got 100 rivals, cannot be no-selling that Wardlow's on his ass. So for them to just confront that, 
I thought was like there's AEW. The characters are smarter. You simply cannot no sell the the lingering threat of Wardlow. So I love that they just threw that in there here. And the I, physical interaction. I like the fact that the the all conquering world champion, the long the day he becomes the longest reigning world champion in AEW history. He shows that weakness because this isn't just, oh, bloody hell, you're telling me I've got to fight this new person who's been brought in. I get being concerned about it, but you wouldn't be scared of them. Mm. Wardlow ended him. Yep. He destroyed him. So it's understandable when he puts his hands on him, he's like having flipping flashbacks to that sort of thing. There's an element of wackiness to this in terms of where everyone was. Yeah. A bit contrived, a bit backstagey, a bit... Individually, I thought this was all quite good, even though I don't really care about MGF and the Acclaimed. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I just don't care about the Acclaimed anymore. Mm. They are a house show act on television, or they have been for much of the year. Um, I'll get into why I'm not really into that act when we get to the main event. Mm-hmm. Kenny's stuff was great. The idea that they've hooked, they've forged respect. Of course he's going to go, why wouldn't he tie with Kenny Omega? Mm. Um, the Jericho thing was cute. The muttered asshole was good. <laughs> just proves that they're not like they don't hate each other anymore because they've just fought too often. But they're still like, oh, I still think stubbornness that MJF wouldn't ask him to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great, like, oh. yeah. <laughs> is Kenny in? Oh, yeah. No, okay. The Wardlow thing. You could argue if you've got your traditional wrestling lens on that maybe a babyface shouldn't show that much fear. But MJF has told you he's a completely different babyface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not stupid. Of course, he just want to get his ass kicked by four guys. Like he would want to do that. Yep. He's sort of like a self-aware babyface. Uh, he's not Steve Austin. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so I do like how he can get away with that kind of thing mm. and put Wardlow over at the same time. It was just a contrived way of doing it for me. I will say Wardlow having demolished him in the past and saying when you least expect it it's like it reminded me of you ever been threatened with a kicking at the back gate at sc- after school mm. so oh thanks well, that's English ruin now <laughs> <laughs> well thanks like I'm gonna get my ass kicked and I'm now scared for the rest of the day I'd rather you just punch us in the face so, there and then there's a storyline on how I met your mother about that Strip of wrestling fan Jason Siegel would uh, would remember this. He would course. certainly remember. Yeah, he says like, "Oh, I'm going to slap you," and he's like, "Okay, go." And yeah, slap me. And that's like, right. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to tell you when it's coming. He wins like three slaps slap in a slap bet. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So it's like, yeah, that dread is much better than just a beatdown. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Um, after, of course, typical. After we recorded our preview yesterday, it was announced that the RH six man tag title is going to be on the line. Hung Bucks uh, versus Mogul MC, Brian Cage, Toe Leona, Bishop Corn, um, Hangman Page, of course, in this. Very early on, full of piss and vinegar, understandably, because Swerm did a home invasion on him uh, last week. Um, and he, so he's kicking all the embassy members' AS. Um, he, he took almost too much. He wants to take everyone on. And so the books have to make the save when the numbers become a bit too much. There's a trio of, of slingshot dives to the floor, and Nick hits a an assisted Swanton off the top onto, I think it was Bishop Corn to take us to break. When we come back, Page makes a comeback, runs wild. Um, looks like he's setting up for the book shot. And then over the Tannoy uh, house, whatever it's called, uh, we hear, whose house? Uh, several times from Swerve Strickland. And he walks out on stage with Prince Nana. Uh, and he says, uh, last week I was at your house. And of course, P- Page immediately jumps into the ring, tags Nick and goes, I'm just going to kick his ass, boys. Uh, he sprints after them. Uh, so the books are now in a handicap match. 
um, featuring Brian Cage, and he sort of counts as two people anyway. Uh, Cage hits a suplex from the apron in that classic move of his. The numbers game just becomes too much, basically. Matt gets hit with a double spine buster. Nick gets hit with a, an assisted triple power bomb and a double face buster, uh, and he gets pinned one, two, three. Uh, the Mogul Embassy regain the ROH six-man tag titles. Backstage, we saw Paige and Strickland brawling, getting separate, get separated by security. Uh, and post-match, I'll just do all this right now and then get your thoughts. Matt Jackson, you said you told me this, was Chris Jericho-esque, yeah. snaps yeah. and smashes apart like a ringside table, just got a swing in a chair at anything and everything, basically. Um, and more on Matt Jackson in a short while. But your thoughts on all this, Sid? Elements of it are light, but I'm going to be picky. I'm just going to be picky today. I'm just, you know... Still fighting for this promotion. <laughs> you could make the argument that this show should have started with, like, uh, the commentary team saying, oh, here's what we've got on the card. Oh, hang on. Go to the back. It's a big disturbance. Hangman Page should have walked into that arena without getting ready for his match. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to do for the person who was in the same room as my baby. Mm -hmm. I'm going to chin his mate. Nope. Walk in. (laughs) Where the hell is he? Where the hell is he? Probably should have went to his house in the week preceding this, but it's wrestling. Whose house? Swerve's house. (laughs) In the week preceding this. But I get it. It's wrestling. It starts and ends. Everyone's, yeah. They've got two hours of their life. Nana only announced the match hours before. You could argue, it's headcanon, I think, but you could argue that like he's done it on purpose. Because he's, hang on, I'm going to force you to the ring, like to defend your titles. You didn't want to get in your gear tonight. You wanted to stand by the door until Swerve arrived. Well, tough tits, pal. Because he could, could have done both. It's I've your kid. It's your kid. It's yeah. your kid. It's your kid. It's your kid. You should have. They should have started that show mm-hmm. with that character, Hangman Page. I'm not getting ready for a match. What the fuck am I doing that for? Mm. And then just go and chin Swerve. That's how serious. They obviously didn't scan as serious because it was just almost a bit hokey the home invasion yeah. last week, but the characters should take it seriously, even mm. if the audience did it. So that's one thing, right? Yes, they addressed it mid-match, as you've pointed out. The match was just fine. And I thought, oh, it's a Young Bucks doing three stars again. That's um, that's really sad because they used to be four and a half stars in their sleep Young Bucks. It was fine, and then that happened, and then, oh, my God, the finish. Oh, my God. Pressing the button for this finishing sequence because... The Gates of Agony and Brian Cage are kind of the best at doing this handicap thing. It's like they they are massive units, <laughs> yeah. and every move they did after Hangman Page left was like a fatality. Yeah. Like a get over here, fatality. I'm going to throw you into a power bomb, which would have hurt enough to begin with. But now you're, now you're even more helpless. Like fatality, fatality, fatality. Really, really cool. And it's an echo. I'm not saying this is anywhere near February 2020. Sorry, standard. This was an echo of what makes that elite program so compelling to so many people where everyone in the elite had a very good reason to behave in the way that they did. Shades of grey. You get the fandom talking about, well, he was in the wrong. No, he wasn't because of this reason. And you get that conversation among elite fans. I'm a huge fan of the elite's work and I've been sort of drawn into the melodrama. I thought, this is a good enough version of it. How much do I care? How much does the wider audience care? You know, I couldn't tell. Um, can we go? Can we skip forward to the Kenny Omega thing? Or should we just wait? We'll, we'll just wait. You can talk. <laughs> it, it's not been a good year for the Elite. This reunion hasn't really taken in, in the way that I think people would have assumed when the four of them came together yeah. in the building went wild for it there. Remember the Kenny and Hangman tease 
when Paige was behind him and you know, or whichever way around that was. Like there were so many moments where this felt like everything will be all right when the elite come together and all of that. And it hasn't really materialized like that. But I really quite like this direction with the books. I didn't anticipate it, but I was hoping for it for a long time. Yeah. Like the they needed to lose the belts. The books needed to be away from Hangman Page because he looked less of an honorable baby face when he was hanging around with these can't be arsed, like bored feeling young books and the match was indistinct and boring feeling until hangman left and you realize ah this is an angle rather than a match cool and i the finish i echo completely that about the finish sequence it was awesome watching them get monstered this three on two and it reminded me of like the first time you saw the house of black and the way that they would shape themselves to yeah. on somebody and it was like oh god get him out of there and <laughs> get this over with but yeah matt jackson when you saw him grabbing the referee by the scruff of the neck and the jericho tantrum hitting the post with it i just thought great the young books are going to be as characters where it's felt like they've been for weeks on television you you're bringing these two things mm. together like like really necessary stuff this and i don't know where it goes and i kind of like them I'm, I'm jumping ahead like cedric wanted to i like them owning the oh there's been plenty of melodrama in this locker room but i we did need to get there so i'm glad that's where they're headed again if you watch this week to week, which you are meant to do, it is episodic wrestling TV. I found elements of this a little bit hard to believe. Like, if you've made a mess, you've made the mess, you kind of have to clean it. You can't just sweep it under the rug. The young bucks have acted disinterested. They might not have turned up. I half wonder if there's, like, a story there that I'm we all shouldn't be privy to and now they're back on TV, you know? Mm. Like, I don't want to speculate, and I feel weird doing so, but it just feels like, how do you go from showing no interest, not being there half the time, to not to 60, you're back in elite overdrive melodrama. You've lost the ROH World Trios titles. Ah, this was. They could never give a toss about winning them. Like, you know what I mean? It just felt a bit sudden. Well, this for me was. You're all right, Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> this to me. I'm a very empathetic guy. <laughs> this for me was the segment where a lot of people are sensed on a timeline and there was a vibe where it didn't feel like Matt Jackson was angry that they'd lost the Ring of Honor titles. It was this release of frustration that AEW's crap. There was a work, shoot element mm. component to this, I felt, where like the Young Bucks being trapped in a situation that they didn't really like being in, a bang average match, a storyline that doesn't mean much for titles that mean even less. There was this sense of, I'm sick of this, and the Jericho, I want them to be sick of this. Yeah, and the Jericho tantrum. I don't know how much I bought it. The Jericho tantrum in 98 was work shoot because he was sick of getting screwed over by the NWO, which itself was, mm. WCW don't give a toss about me. And that morphed into the incredible Jericho heel character that we all fell in love with. But that had, ele had elements of work and shoot with the company kind of failing him as a wrestler. And there was this real sense of like... Like I was watching this and you could see this sense. Of, like it wasn't didn't feel performative, this sense of... Should we have just taken the WWE money? <laughs> like, this is not our company anymore. This is not our show. This is not, none of this has the energy that we put into this, that we like exemplified when AEW was hot. There was elements of that. And if that can be channeled into a storyline that matters and characters that matter, great. Like, use that. Use mm. that energy and turn it into something positive because for weeks and weeks and weeks, it felt grim. It felt like, who are you, what are you asking me to think here? Mm. And for the first time they in ages. They're not one contenders, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a mess. You know, that is yet another mess. The, the tag tag, the AEW tag tag, uh -huh. I should say. And I wonder, like, how many of the, what's the phrase you always use? Like, the diehard elite, like, you're not one of them, but, like, they're, like, 
I forget what you always say. You call Freak yourself aside. it. No, no, no. But like, <laughs> like it's freakazoid adjacent when you talk about the elite. I'm a diehard elite stan. I forget. Sorry, yeah. I forget. The, but like, I, I think a lot of people that would have had like elite stuff in their bios on Twitter or whatever would have been watching this, being like, oh no, like. Uh, what, like it's all crumbled around us, sort of thing, and like now there's not even CM Punk to blame. Why, why has everything gone so wrong for the elite? I think this might end up being quite effective. I genuinely, bloody, I bloody like, hope so. They're not even doing BTA anymore. Yeah, lots of this, like lots of this sort of stuff. Like it's, they, a, bad, it's a bad bloody time. They channeled that energy into something more worthwhile. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, right, MJF's walking backstage. Uh, this time he's uh, considering Samoa Joe. Incurable elite mark. Yes, I am an incurable elite mark. Thank you. I've been cured. Uh, he passes on <laughs> Samoa Joe's lock- locker room, instead pausing to write, emo bitch on uh, Darby Allen's locker room. That's funny. That's really great. That's funny. They're individual locker rooms. I didn't know this. I thought they were all in there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, they don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> MJF, <laughs> one guy used to, he's left now. <laughs> yeah. MJF chuckles. Look at how many wrestlers there are in this company as well. Hi. Come on. MJF chuckles to himself, uh, and there's the acclaimed <laughs> daddy ass again. Ven- that's why they book big venues. It's not for the crowds, it's because the amount of locker rooms. Yeah. Need. <laughs> we need 100 locker rooms. Tony, it's a 20,000 seat building, we're drawing 2,000. We need 100 locker rooms. <laughs> Anyway, uh, there's the acclaimed daddy asked with the pickup sign, which he just ignores. Yeah. Uh, Adam Copeland's out. He's brought up by Tony Schiavone. Copeland puts him over. Taz is furious on commentary. <laughs> um, uh, and Copeland says, last week Sting got in my face. We got a long way back. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of similar injuries as well. Uh, they've been a sounding board to each other over the years. I respect Darby as well. Uh, one of the linchpins of the company, one of the foundations of this industry going forward. Everyone wants answers, though. What's he going to do? Is he going to team with Sting and Derby? But before he can give his answer, here comes Christian Cage with Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. Cage tells everyone to shut up. 
He says, I want to paint a picture before you before you give your answer. I'm going to retire Sting at full gear, whether he likes it or not. Um, <laughs> whether I, he wants to or not. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen, you haven't seen much of Derby lately, uh, but if you have, you'll see the gimp arm that I caused at Wrestle Dream. Uh, and I don't need to remind you about your neck problems, Adam. Uh, I hate for this fairy tale of yours to turn into a nightmare, so why don't you just piss off, back down, or I'll snap your neck. Uh, I'll do it. Put you in a wheelchair to live undignified, and your kids will sit there and tell them you used to be somebody. Jesus, he's horrible. He's so good at being horrible. And yeah, he's describing Roderick Strong's current gimmick <laughs> and yeah. neck stuff. And Adam, like, not really. Yeah, <laughs> cartoon, and like you know, he's like he's living with no dignity in a wheelchair. That's what Roderick Strong is right now. He could just stand up from it, but he's choosing not to. <laughs> like, yes. uh, Cage is like, I, I realize this probably isn't sinking in, so I'm just going to set. Nick Wayne and the dinosaur on you, basically. They slide in, uh, but Copeland can handle both of them. Cage comes in, though, um, and uh, there's a stare down. Are they going to finally come to blows? But before that can happen, Luchasaurus is taking this time to recover. Jumps Adam Copeland from behind. Uh, Nick Wayne hits him with a second rope cutter. Gets a chair in the ring. We're going to get a concerto to Adam Copeland. But here comes Sting. Uh, right hand to Nick. Uh, gets rid of him. Darby Allen. Runs in like um, the madman that he is to attack Cage. Uh, Copeland sends uh, Luchasaurus out of the ring. Cage stomps Darby in the corner, but uh, turns round into a huge spear from Adam Copeland. And uh, he gets on the mic and says, You want to snap my neck? I'm going to beat your ass. It's, it's on, you stupid little son of a bitch. Uh, Sting and Darby were right. You guys want a partner. I'm your man. Thoughts are a bit all over the place on this. I really liked when Adam Copeland said he wasn't going to fight Christian Cage and for us to be two weeks on and him changing his mind over a set of circumstances that existed the night he came in. Like this, oh, they're the baddies and we're the goodies. That was established at WrestleDream. Nothing has changed. Mm. Nothing has really changed. And yet two weeks ago, Adam Copeland said, like, I know he's going through the whole backstory. There's nothing he could do. To explain yeah. why he's not going to be drawn into this. It's just Christian being Christian. We'll, we'll get through this. Two weeks later, no, we won't. I'll fight you full gear. I like I like the segment and the way it was all and it, the way it all played out it was quite like there was a bit of energy in the building for it and like I think Adam Copeland Adam Copeland had a good night and he doesn't have good nights every night in AEW but I'm a bit disappointed we're getting there already. I thought the I thought the six man was designed to make you think Copeland was going to be teased into it not and then they get to Copeland versus Christian Cage at whenever like the next like revolution or world's well, end or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet we're just doing it. So it sort of feels a little bit like a, a betrayal of the stakes they set up a couple of weeks ago. And Copeland versus Christian now is something you should do. But they are verging close to falling into the same trap WWE did when he comes back and you see him in the rumble and you get super excited. And then they go, Randy Orton. Mm. I've seen that. Like Copeland himself went to that press conference and listed Kenny Omega. And like he did say Luchasaurus and we've had that, but listed a bunch of names. You're like, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll look at that. And we're, we're kind of at Christian already. I thought that one of the cool things about diverting that was that he was going to go wrestle A, B, and C instead. But here we are. Yeah. I didn't really consider that. I just enjoyed Christian Cage's heel work so much <laughs> yeah, he's so good. that maybe I glossed it over. But I now that you mention it, that is a bit ridiculous because they could have really thought about what kind of heinous thing can Christian Cage do when to draw. When can Taker and Kane as a good example? Yeah. To set him on fire to get that match? Yeah. What heinous thing can Christian Cage do to draw Copeland into the conflict, into the match? Like they could have had so much fun like mm -hmm. thinking about this. So that is a shame that they've just pissed that away. 
I like this because I think the match will be fun. Yes. Mm. And I think it's been inessential. It's not something I've been desperate to watch the next week chapter unfold, but it's all been really well done, and Christian Cage is good, and they've struck good notes of, like, kitsch. Mm. I have enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it when I've watched it without being, like, mad into it. What's going to happen next week, right? But this is the first of just this show, but there's so many more, and there has been so many more throughout the year, of there's a way to try and use so many talents, if you're Tony Khan, right? So many talents, far too many, a total lack of indis- uh, l- lack of discipline. A lot of the problems begin and end with that ridiculous spi- signing spree, right? One way that he's now trying to accommodate all of these members of his roster onto one show, his latest trick, and I'm just so bored by it, is Joey Janela imagines... Joey Janela curates a WWF Survivor Series card, <laughs> but it happens every week. Yeah. This sort of wacky, mad scientist who's on that graphic next to him versus him. Yeah. <laughs> it's all just like, why is every episode of AW Dynamite and AW Collision this year, to a degree, feel like Survivor Series 1989? We talked about this at length in the build. In Survivor Series 1989, by the way, Goated. Yeah, of course it is. But like we talked about this in the building. But you can't do everything good all of the time, otherwise you just risk diminished returns. It, what Wembley needs is a bunch of multi-mans and tags. Ooh, it could do with a few like persons yeah. you draw money singles matches, Tony. Your main event is yeah, maybe three more. Yeah, and I've said that a million times. Like it's just the problems with this company begin and end with how many wrestlers he signed impulsively, with no real firm fixed plan. It's, it's WWF Survivor Series 1989. X GCW Spring Break. Do you think he sees Adam Copeland, Tony Khan, as the guy that Sting could pass the party match torch over to? Like you get just a bunch of more like because he's seen a few Edge singles matches that maybe didn't deliver. He had a couple in him, but it wasn't an amazing run. But we like the Clash at the Castle, six man, for example. Like Edge in that role could be great as Sting has been in those types of tags. Like you kind of like think he's thought about it much at all. Passes Darby <laughs> Allen over to him, and he's like. Take my Darby Allen and have great party matches. And like Adam Copeland's like, yeah, all right, there'll be some really good pay-per-views out of this. I just think he doesn't really think about these things too often, hence why there's just not a good narrative ecosystem in AEW right now. And that's a phenomenally pretentious thing to say, but it's true and I'm going to say it. Like, it just doesn't all come together and sort of create these, like, really good stories that are focused, that you can really emotionally invest in. It's like it's gone from Christian Cage and Darby Allen feel like they've been feuding forever. Oh, Copeland's available. Sign him, integrate him into here. And it's just adding stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff. And, the, and you're just diluting the stakes. Like, can you imagine, right? And I'm going to make this other another point like this later. Darby Allen and Ric Flair are now just mates by default. Yeah. Because they've got a mutual friend. What if, like, they go for, um, like, catering? Or all, all the lads, you know... <laughs> In this stable, in this super group, are going to meet and cater. And like, what if it's like Darby Allen and Ric Flair first? What chat are they going to have? You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to see Ric Flair in one of his A level videos. You know what <laughs> like I mean? How it, like doing skates. What like, are they going to talk Rick about? Ric Flair Ric Flair. Oh, God, I wish Sting was here first. <laughs> uh, but they're both thinking, yeah. where's, where's Sting? Where's Sting? He's the, he's the glue here. He's the one. Where's, hey, uh, here oh, he God, is. it's Sting. I thank <laughs> for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And it's, it's not, and that's a problem with supergroups, right? It's there are so many supergroups in AW right now. You're a big music guy, you're a big music guy. What is the rule? And I don't even think there's a rule proven exception. What is the rule, Michael Hamflet, of supergroups and music? Not very good. Yeah, exactly. Audio slave, we're all right, that's about it. McBusted. Put some respect on the name. So Nicholas, you love your music. Can you think of a good supergroup? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What's that? The Willow Breeze. Yeah. Travel Willow Breeze. Yeah. Bands are better than supergroups. Stables are better than these uh, supergroups. They're just these individuals don't come together to make something good. I just I don't feel like I'm into it like I would be the Elite when they were absolutely good, or even the Inner Circle, mm. like. These, it's just look at the Callas family, right? It's not the Four Horsemen, is it? No. Like the Four Horsemen were a band, not a supergroup. They were kind of like the closest thing to a supergroup just yeah. because of the individual components, but the way they worked in the storylines and in the narrative and in the promotion, you could absolutely buy that they just loved going to the, making the towns together, mm. driving from town to town in either a private jet, if it's a shorter travel, a limousine, just being best mates. Just wanting to be the best together. They felt like a total band of brothers and they were so easy to invest in. Like, where's that energy in AEW? It just does not exist. The first all, DXs, the same. Yeah. Like, you can imagine you them members, it's like, yeah, just yeah. being tight mm-hmm. as brothers, loving traveling together, like the chemistry. What chemistry are Darby Allen and Rick Flair going to have? <laughs> <laughs> at least now we know why Tony Khan likes so many toys all at once. It's because he starts putting them under the tree from July. <laughs> Aye. So like, oh, the man well. months and months of build-up. Yeah, let's get, well, yeah, huge <laughs> matches added to, to full gear, we should say. Uh, the the sixth round we just mentioned there, international championship match, Orange Cassidy versus uh, John Moxley and Paige Swerve 2. Two matches with two at the end. This is what will happen when you go down on the content form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, let's get to... Uh, like both matches individual Lee, will be very, very good. Mm. Both will probably be great. The story of the company on pay-per-view, though, that, isn't it? Like, we, we, we're having this conversation all the time, aren't we? The pay is going to be great. The anticipation is lousy. You're doing half the job. Uh-huh. Like, it's an old NXT. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, let's move on to uh, Tony Khan's uh, important announcement. You're joking. Not another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting good use already, that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I just need to actually know for future reference. Down here. Down here. Down where? Where? Bottom left. Bottom left. Not another <laughs> this one, right? Okay, okay. Keep it on, keep it on, because I'm going to press it. <laughs> it I, really wanna, I really want to press it. Um, Nigel McGuinness is there, and uh, Tony Khan says uh, his announcement was following the success of All In this year, of course. Uh, what with it being the start of the holiday season, although, <laughs> in my house, the Christmas tree's up in July. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Freak isn't it from Tony Khan yet again <laughs> just drops that in like he's, uh, everybody's going to love this you know Nigel I'm going to say it I wouldn't bother Tony no I'm going to say it they're going to love it like, so weird it makes the whole segment odd like makes if everybody I went, feel uncomfortable if you went round in July you wouldn't think oh they just put that up you'd think have they left that up all year yep if nothing else it's like it's really warm <laughs> who wants to go to the loft <laughs> and like again, that's a good point he wants to go to the loft in July yeah. Nah, they're a real tree household, so by Christmas, they're just all brown needles <laughs> on the floor. 
Like they're just it's all all the pine needles have fallen off. Can afford another one to be fair. Yeah. yeah. Maybe got like a cast of rotating trees. Aye, that's what it is. Aye, what time's the tree guy coming? Aye. This tree is all elite. Tuesday, got another tree that's all elite, guys. Wednesday, another all elite tree. Dad, I think that tree should be friends with that tree. Yes. <laughs> Put that one on fucking rampage. A tree W. All three lead. Hang on, people might, might not have heard that because he's off mic, so hang on. They, they could go for the trio's title. <laughs> <laughs> You're a tree, so sh- you know that. <laughs> right, uh, next year's show, August 25th. Uh, tickets are going to be on sale on December 1st. Uh, early access, Ticketmaster, blah, 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 blah. The only thing I really took from this, though, uh, which I thought was of note, because um, people getting wound up saying, oh, there's not a proper announcement here. Well, what do you expect at this point? Mm. It shouldn't be a surprise anymore. And again, you know what? No, I want standards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's killed the anticipation of all huge announcements, hasn't he? Um, I just noted down what exactly what McGuinness said. He said, all in made history, and in 2024, we rewrite history. Legacies will be made, and legacies will be destroyed. Moments that will echo through eternity. And on a personal note, and he talks about sitting ringside at Wembley, dreams unimaginable will be created again. He's targeting that to kick Brian Daniels' ex, basically. It. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think so. Plus that picture of him in his gear, didn't he? So you feel like that would have been the match this year. Fair play for trying to keep it alive. I like. I don't want to like defend Tony Khan on this one because he has killed this announcement thing and it's parody and it's... I, I, I wouldn't get annoyed now. I wouldn't recommend people get... I wouldn't recommend they get excited and then they won't get annoyed. Mm. But I just recommend they feel nothing. Kind of. It's This isn't bad business. Like getting the tickets on sale before Christmas... Like present it as a gift. We said at the time, Christ, sell these outside Wembley when you're leaving because this is the hottest and height people are going to feel for this show. Oh, I don't feel like that anymore. No, that's it. He's got a real uphill battle. So. Oh, I'm buzzing. I need to go. <laughs> yeah. So, like, real uphill so battle. It's just like, don't be Eric's birthday, don't be Eric's birthday, don't be Eric's birthday. 25th, get in! I, I sense that there will be some people... He doesn't know it's on his birthday. No, as in, I wouldn't be allowed to go, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, there'll be some people in mainland Europe that last week... We're given a potentially different choice to make in mm. Germany, especially. So he's probably trying to like catch back up with that as well. You know, this is this is business. So I get it, but again, you just got to think about how you're reframing these announcements. Tweet this. Tickets on sale. Here's a link, a pre-sale link. Like tweet this. Do, I do get tweet. I get both things now. One, don't get annoyed. Yeah, come on, it's past. It's a meme. It's it's never going to be anything. But at the same time, I want to hold on to a higher standard, so I do get both. Ultimately, if they just did this on the show, out of nowhere, without saying, I've got an important announcement to make, guys, perfect, great business. Mm. Like, there's loads of things where I'd think, oh, do I want to use my own money for this, or do I prefer to just, like, get some takeaways or whatever? <laughs> like, oh, no, I'll ask for it for my birthday. Because yeah. you've always, like, no one cares anymore. About like no one like honestly, my wife got me the best present ever for my birthday. But like nine times out of ten, it has become. Oh, what do you want? Yeah. yeah. Like, what do you want that you don't really want to spoil yourself with? I'll, I'll get you for your birthday. Like, perfect. I'll oh, get us an all-in ticket. Mm-hmm. Like Last. that's what I mean. Christmas, you know, yeah. like the holidays coming up. It's it's smart. It's really smart. And the the Berlin thing is true as well. Mm-hmm. Like they've done that for two reasons. One of them might dwarf the other, but there's a little bit of. Oh, I'm like good. Oh, I'm, I'm into that. Like yeah, test them. Yeah, them, you know, like, like they're back to back weekends as well. Yeah. Just 
do it without the important announcement because it just feels like tacky and desperate and grabby and it's just you further making yourself into a laughing stock. Should have just gone. Should have just go all in at this point and just be like, got an important announcement about money, and he's like, save your money and spend it on all the digital. <laughs> <laughs> Do it at that point. We were gonna moan regardless. When's she getting here? <laughs> I don't care if she's still got a surgical. That is the point. I'd still rather just have her come out and work with one leg. That is the point we always make. We're like, no more signings. All right, that. Well, the women's division signing. is yeah. doesn't count. Yeah. Sign all like sign loads more for the women's division. Mm. Please. I'll just check how many matches they had on this show. Uh, anyway, before that, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho versus Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange with Jake Hager, of course. Uh, Menard and Parker go straight after Jericho, shouting at him that uh, they didn't realize what they had in them. Uh, Jericho fights back. <laughs> Jericho tags in Omega. They hit a double suplex and a shoulder tackle. Takes to a break. When we come back, Omega gets the hot tag to Jericho. Uh, he runs wild. Uh, Parker gets put in the lion tamer. Uh, Matt Menard tries to cut it off, but he eats a springboard drop kick. Omega hits a snapdragon. Jake Hager jumps on the apron and eats a V trigger and a big Omega dive for his troubles. Uh, the referee gets distracted though, so Matt Menard nails Jericho with a baseball bat, but Parker can only get two off the back of it. Uh, Daddy Magic gives Cool Hand Ange the bat, but uh, he swings. Jericho ducks it and hits the Judas effect for the win. Let's talk match, and then we'll talk post match in a second. After. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was rubbish. It's Kenny Omega match on Dynamite, and I've just said, do I have to talk about the match? Says it all. I, I, I got two things out of this. One, Jericho, you've got a mind for this. I might have half bought the bad shot near fall. I might have, just because he's so good at the rhythms of it. Mm -hmm. Told I've said this one million times. Guys, a vastly underrated tag team wrestler. He just gets the rhythm and the drama of it. Okay? He loved the, the sex gods. Oh, my God. Oh, that's... Pissed away now. Number two. <laughs> Number two. I was just grateful that Kenny Omega looked quite sharp. Yeah. Usually after a big match, when he does his next TV match, it's like, oh, oh God, Kenny. <laughs> I love you. But you look kind of sharp. Yeah. I was like, are you back oh, in the man, Omega. <laughs> are you back in the zone? Tell me you're back in the yeah. zone. Kenny O'Barlow. Uh, his hair looks gorgeous here. Omega <sighs> you, you, looks, you, you oh, just so you about Between that. his gear and collision and like his hair, I was like, Omega's back. 2016 vibes. Is he feeling out. it? Yeah. Uh, just a minute on Chris Jericho, because again, like we were kind of unpicking yesterday how that story went. Yeah, yeah. you guys, like the, uh, oh no, Callis doesn't really want you. What do you mean you're going to leave me behind? That was <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, he beat their ass so easy this week. He was right. His stable sucked all along. Honestly, like, if you unpick this, it's a like the JS is a disaster. If you mm. even slightly from like day one, it. yeah, from day one. But even well, how long did that BCC feud go on for? Yeah, the timing of the sports entertainment thing was unlucky, wasn't it? Because it was just before like Vince resigned in disgrace. It was like, hey, you're mocking the thing, but you're actually just doing the thing, and they're doing a bit less of the things. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's already that's, that's like, knackered. even if Vince was remaining in charge and Papa H hadn't rescued WWE, right? Make us absolutely sick. It was already a bit tell don't show. Yeah. yeah, it was already a bit like they just did a better job of flexing, like stunting on those WWE hoes by doing a better <laughs> <laughs> by doing a better product. And just showing you what wrestling yeah, should be. Yeah, exactly. Like Twenty seventeen being the elite side plot. Yeah, stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, like yeah. we'll mock sports entertainment with. Yeah, uh, like they I don't just, know. They used to do much better by showing you, not telling you. Yeah, but even crap. 
This is, yeah, this is rubbish. Anyway, let's talk about the post-match. Oh, God. Callis <laughs> and the family walk out. Uh, he says, uh, I've got to give you credit, Jericho and Omega. Uh, you're bloody cockroaches you are, surviving despite Dekestra and Hobbs destroying both of you. Um, maybe this doesn't get finished in the ring, but on the streets. He challenges Jericho and Omega to a street fight in two weeks on Dynamite. Calls them dummies. Uh, Omega says none of this is about winning matches. Uh, he accepts the challenge, but he says, let's make it a six-man street fight. Kota Ibushi will be on our side. And Kala says, mm, can you not work this out? You're still down a man. So Jericho says, well, I've got a friend who's bigger than Powerhouse Hobbs because Powerhouse Hobbs isn't a giant. Yeah, I knew this was coming. <laughs> Paul White walks out on stage and KO's Carl Fletcher with a punch. Callous man. Nobody is bigger than Powerhouse Hobbs, are they? <laughs> God damn it, man. That was pathetic. <laughs> and I haven't booked a territory before, Don, but that was pathetic. <laughs> no, shut up, Jericho. I've watched every single one of your matches, and nobody is bigger than this six foot ten guy, unless you've got a six foot eleven foot <laughs> ten foot friend. Well, you couldn't possibly have that friend, could you? You are talking so much BS. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I want somebody for the big show. <laughs> oh, God. The big show in two <laughs> weeks that we've got. There is a, yeah, you love this one. Um, behind the Laughter. Oh, Sim- yeah. The Behind the Laughter Simpsons the episode, grade, right? This, if you haven't seen it, right? What is the argument they have where it's that basically, but they completely subvert oh, the gag? Yeah. So they're on a traveling stage show, The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like having this argument about this, no, this. And it's like, it's, the obvious setup is like, this was not part of the script. Yeah, it was like Willborn the other day, like, you're a fing sellout and you're a fing sellout and I fing hate you. Mention the show, Willborn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm a sellout too. We did a bit mocking this yeah. setup. Oh my God. On the subject of babyface supergroups. God damn it. That I was going to talk about. Sorry, Ed. Scott. We'll be out. We'll be out in a second. Can you can you shut that door behind you? Thanks, mate. <laughs> what culture gaming podcast? Uh, wherever you get your podcast yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. On the subject of babyface supergroups. You're joking. Not another one. Paul White and Kota Ibushi. What are they going to chat about? Being terrible. Does Kota Ibushi even know who Paul White is? I would be astonished. But what is the? It's you've got this. <laughs> you've got this story right. Can you remember the sheer extent to which Don Callis would put Kenny Omega over on commentary during his New Japan matches? Oh yeah, you put years into this. Years have what, gone into this. What was the dick line you said yesterday? Kanosuke Takeshita is the kind of guy. That's it. He walks into a bar, his dick's already been there two minutes. <laughs> it's not Omega, but it's still a great line. He's so good at the hype. Yeah. He's so as to mad shit like your dicks. He just have to lob it. All right, going to catch up to this big whopper again. <laughs> anyway, Don Callis on commentary yes, yeah, yeah. would be, Kenny, by God, Omega, Hackenschmidt, Gotch, Fez, Flair, Bockwinkle, he's better than the rest. That was a condensed version of him doing this promo for 30 minutes during an Omega match. You just never have thought he would betray him. And then, oh my God. Oh, hang on. He's not looking as sharp. He's, uh, his distance on those dives is not quite what it was. He's going for surgery. Right, who's the next athlete I can make loads of money from? And it's like, you heartless prick. Mm. 
You, he's your family, and you loved him. You've, no one's ever put anyone over as much as Don Callis put over Kenny Omega, mm. right? And you just have that chemistry established. And then, you know, he manages him in AEW, and he's cheating on his behalf. He's corrupted Kenny Omega, but it's good. It's really good because he's family. It's like one of the most tightest partnerships you could ever imagine. Then <gasps> betrayal happens. How do we go <laughs> from those stakes to Paul f***ing White, who was on my Mount more, more like Triple H, Road Dog, Kane and the Big Show? Oh, they're just my four, I can't, four worst. I'll yeah. never, I would never want to watch you again, ever. Triple H, Orton, Undertaker, Kane. For me. Is that yours? Paul White just falls short. But it's like, mad how we've got similarities yeah. on ours. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yes. Lamest guys. How on earth have we... Re it's just so diluted. It's so Joey Donella to survive a series. Like, what are they playing at? Like, what, I, know, I understand that Jarrah's show were a maybe a light in the dark of a really bad time in WWE. Oh, I'm nostalgic for that. <laughs> no, I'm not! You used to say the only thing Tony Khan hadn't done for pro wrestling fans was British rounds. He's unlocked the other thing. 2009 WWE nostalgia. Yeah. Even WWE's yeah. thing on its own Raw shows. Yeah. It's like there was 1998, it was class, then there was nothing. Yes. <laughs> like today. That's, that's, that's all WWE. That's all it is. That's all it is. Like Tony Khan's like, well, you miss I've, I've been watching the network, guys. <laughs> and uh, Why is this happening? It's so diluted. So I don't hate this because... And I said, imagine Paul White and Kota Ibushi just hanging out. Imagine Paul White and Kyle Fletcher's nose-to-nose -nose confrontation during the West Side Story spot. They're probably looking at each other going, I quite liked you back in the day. And then Paul White's probably looking at Kyle Fletcher going, who the f*** are you, man? <laughs> I've got absolutely no idea. How can you imagine? I'm being facetious, right, to build a point. How can you tell me that Paul White and Kyle Fletcher like really hate each other or they're embroiled in this conflict? You know, it's just laughable to me that I'm going to watch them at some point interact in a match. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you got that. Yes. I never want to see that again. I dread to think how many chins I've got. It, I'm not being funny, right? I cannot imagine anyone emotionally investing in this. Yeah, it's probably going to be Paul White has one match. Mm. And then they'll splinter off in uh, something else. This yeah. endless splintering of this story which just keeps going on and on and on and on and on and diluted and diluted and diluted. They've already done Jarek, uh, Omega and Takeshita. It's obviously the best bit. They've already done it. Takeshita won. Guess what? Oh, my God, I've beat Kenny Omega. Well done, kid. Well done. Oh, what next? Title shot? Uh, no, 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 you're going to be in a name. I'm a Paul White. <laughs> what? I'm thinking bodyguard. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm thinking bodyguard. Uh, you're basically going to be Tomko and you're going to be working Paul White in an eight, man. <laughs> what? But I've beat Kenny Omega twice. That's a big thing. He's a former AEW. Should I be in the title mix? <laughs> don't be daft don't be daft I just find this whole preposterous George and I Survivor Series team you're joking not another one and just a little note on Paul White um, this is a deep cut reference maybe I'm saying it to pop the producer over there but he stands like Dan Byrne in the middle of his dance after he's just scored in Putney Castle in the final for the League Cup last year like uh, uh, there's so much talent you're doing nothing with, and Paul White can barely stand up. Right. Couple I'll probably really enjoy this on the night. Couple of things. Paul White is going to give Kota Ibushi his best match of 2023. Like, if we're pearl clutching over Paul White being the lower quality bar on that babyface team, there's three others. It's Kenny Omega, like, doing the Kota heavy lifting. Kota Ibushi, I know you're being facetious, right? Kota Ibushi, there is a huge part 
maybe not as big as it would have been in 2019, right? There is a huge part of that audience who has a borderline parasocial relationship yes. with the Golden Lovers. There's a reason to bring in... The Golden Lovers and Jerry's show. That's only just... And I, and I, the two teams bad. finally come together. <laughs> That's wild. It's stupid, that man. It's stupid. absolutely insane. It's irreverent novelty meme. The Young Bucks and the Miztourage. <laughs> finally. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, isn't it? It's, it's like, how have we done that? How has he friggin' done the Golden Lovers and Jericho? The holy, I know what you want more before you know what you want. The Holy Demon Army and Techno Team 2000. <laughs> <laughs> New games just dropped. Do this forever. <laughs> yeah, do this forever. Uh, I know, it's like, I like, to your point about Kenny in the title shot, right? I like that this... Furnace, this Crawford, <laughs> Luke, Butch. <laughs> Get a T-shirt made. Yeah. Usos, I know what you're thinking. Can you still go with knobs and sacks? <laughs> I mean, that's not be stupid. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Wouldn't it? <laughs> the point is to make it like silly. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty boys are goated, man. Aye, gold seed as well. Yeah, nice. Nice. yeah. Kenny Omega just lost his not title nice. shot. Deep, deeply unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. He's just lost. So Kenny Omega, if we pretend that rankings are still around, it's just gone right at the bottom. He's lost his title shot. He did have his goal and he's lost. Uh, but in real terms. This is sort of keeping Chris Jericho away from important things. Like, Chris Jericho hanging around with the big show means that he kind of mix in with MJF. He's, Ooh, he's teaming like, with Kenny Omega, and you've just said that. It makes us sick. This, but, like, Omega's just lost the title, so he's got kind of nothing else to do but fight Callus and get this over with. Yeah. Street fight. You think he's going to be the end of it. I don't mind this, you know. Like, it's... That's because you're a fed head. Yeah, maybe. I don't, <laughs> I don't rate the big show. I, this is not like, like a pro big show stance. Like, Paul White isn't doing a pro Big Show stance. But, like, it's uh, <laughs> it's just, I think the match will be quite fun. Oh, um, that's the thing. Let's be done with Omega and the Callis family, and I think we're done with that as well. Yeah. Like the you, could go, you, could, you could play our game. Fact. Fact. Why am I missing this opportunity? It's time to play the game! Time to play time the game! game. That's just, uh, you could do stop random wrestler on the roster page versus stop random wrestler on the roster page. Mm. 95 times out of 100 we play that game, it will be fun. Yeah. I want to be emotionally invested in a seminal professional wrestling product. Go on the roster page, yeah? I didn't press the button for now. Paul White's got him fired up. Yes. We'll just get Kane in next. And as well, just like, get in. off the back of the locker room thing, it's going to be friggin' the Mystery Jets or whatever they're called versus the Young Bucks, isn't it? Like, that, we're getting that match. Yes, we are. That's not bad. That's not bad. Although, and this is a knockabout. Oh, Jesus, uh, Jericho will probably put on the fucking cruise. <laughs> like, I've just thought about it. He's like, oh, me, me and Kenny are kind of the last guys ooh, to work. Ooh, 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 A cruise or 2,000 people in an 18,000-seat arena? I think I'll take the cruise, please. We, we're baby uh, facing the Jericho down. cruise. Yes. That dynamite was good, wasn't it? Yeah. That's what I mean. Stop. Yeah. Two. Samoa Joe. Keep going. Stop. Four. The Butler Luther. <laughs> That'd da, be awesome. Da Butler. That, I'm saying, you, you wouldn't like lose sleep at night. I'm going, oh my God, it's Joe versus Luther in about two weeks. Oh God, I wish this was happening. If you saw Samoa Joe Monster Luther. Yeah. Which is his new name, by the way. He's not Luther anymore. He's Luther. You'd think, oh, that's, that's, that's class. Yeah. He, he, he kicked the crap out of him. 
was really, really cathartic. Muscle buster. The <laughs> muscle buster and Luther from Samoa. <laughs> Jew. Anyway, uh, Renee Baguette is backstage in Omega and Chris Jericho's dressing room. Uh, Jericho's trying to talk up this match now. Uh, Matt Jackson just cuts him off. He's furious. He said, I don't want to get over dramatic because there's been enough. <laughs> <There's> enough <laughs> there's been I mean, enough. I love you, Matt it Jackson. Was knowing, wasn't it? it was knowing this, but like. Yeah. Uh, there's been enough melodrama in this locker room. But what was the point of the elite getting back together if we don't have each other's backs? And he says, "My <laughs> fair, fair question." Well, the point of the elite getting back together was to do stories like this. Mm. You've answered your own question there, Matt Jackson. I love you, but you have. Uh, he says, "My biggest problem though is who's invited this prick Chris Jericho into our locker room." I never forgot what he did to our father, Book's father, uh, years ago. And uh, scram, Ken- scram, <laughs> cheese it. It's great. Kenny said, "Look, like Chris, hate Chris. He's aligned with us against Don." And Matt said he's going to screw you over, just like Don Callis did. Enjoy the locker room, clean it when you're done. Storms out. You can see why the game Triple H wanted to get the Elite in 2018. A stable that can't quite get along. Yeah, <laughs> he no. would love it, wouldn't he? He would bloody love it. Uh, I this I think this, again, is a positive that spins from it. You get Omega away from the Callis stuff. It is feeling tired. Paul White matches weird. And then I... Uh, you foreshadow the book's turn by having Matt Jackson be a complete hypocrite yeah. by burying Jericho and channeling him on the exact same show. Like, it's all good stuff. How, how can I, how, can I be arsed with yet more elite drama? Depends if, well, this is the point, right? It used to be that uh, the matches were so great that they would sell you on it and then they would kind of drag you in with the idea. These Young Bucks three-star matches have done away with that, haven't they? Mm, uh, so you need to believe the matches can still be awesome. I still want from Omega. Versus Young Bucks 2. From the January 1st, 2020 Dynamite to full gear 2021. It's probably the happiest I've been as a wrestling fan. Mm. And the Elite had so much to do with it. So it's not lightly that I say, mm. not sure I can be asked. Yeah. It just feels diminished already. But we'll see. I'll let it play mm. out, of course, I will with these lads. I know you wouldn't say those words lightly. Like, especially not 120,000 of them. Oh. But I suppose there's an opportunity to get so many of them collected all at the same time, is there? Mm. Where do you live? <laughs> I've just recently <laughs> moved, actually. Oh, have you? Yeah. place in the world. All right, okay. Well, great. Good news for you. Amazon, right ah. now. Oh, you bloody sellout. You're a sellout. You're a sellout. <laughs> yeah. We've sold out the live show. November 21st, Mosaic Tap. Anyway, let's move on uh, because uh, we've still got the main event to get to. Not quite there yet. The Paul White, the Carl Fletcher. Didn't I throw you out the Rumble in 2015? You look like one of them guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In got you. Uh, it's time for the women's match because it's almost the main event. Uh, Hikaru <laughs> Shida versus Willow Nightingale for the AW women's title. Um and uh, early on, Nightingale shows off her power, shoulder tackle, low cross body, gets a two. Sheeta fights back with her knee in the corner. Uh, Nightingale goes out to the floor where Sheeta hits her with a diving cross body, takes to a break. When we come back, uh, Sheeta hits the suplex, gets a two count. Um, Nightingale hits a cartwheel, off getting whipped, and hits an Inseguri in a high boot of her own. Great spine buster. There's a slug fest. They trade drop kicks. Uh, double down. She gets caught off in the corner. Uh, Nightingale wanted an avalanche DVD, but Sheeda turned it into an avalanche falcon arrow. Uh, but Nightingale kicks out a one. Again, back and forth. Nightingale hits the pounce. A Death Valley driver gets a two count. She wants the Doctor Bomb. Sheeda turns that into a Hurricane Rana. Um, Nightingale nails her with a lariat, but uh, Sheeda counters the pin into a pin of her own. Uh, she hits a knee strike for a great near fall, and then she just gets up and hits the katana for the victory regardless. One, two, three. Your thoughts on the match first? Really good, right? And um, the one-count kick-out thing is a bit of a cheat code, but I'm glad they did it because not much was getting these fans into anything on this show, and the women were deserving more of a reaction than they were getting for the bulk of the match. And they did get count, a dueling chant going. Well, the one-count just brought the fans in like that, and I was like, great, now they're going to be in it for the rest. 
love their chemistry. Like Sheeda and Willow Nightingale got some fantastic physical chemistry. Sheeda, I really rate her, but I do accept that she can be guilty of looking a bit lightweight sometimes with her offense. There was none of that here. Willow, there's a little bit of it. There always is. Willow Nightingale, like but I think, she's great at crafting it. Yeah, like Willow Nightingale's amassed a ton of these matches this year. Again, they're always like sort of trudging uphill to try and get reactions, to try and get you to care as good as the moves are because there's just never any story. We went into detail yesterday about how dumb this match was, like, in planning. So they were always working against that in execution. I thought this was pretty strong stuff. I feel the wrong kind of sympathy for Willow Nightingale because she is somebody that well-booked oh. well becomes a champion having amazing nights and instead just has to wade through so much treacle creatively, and it's a shame. I've told you before, I'm not even a glass half empty guy. I am a guy who gets his first 11 grams of coffee beans out of the packet and think, well, I used to have a full bag. <laughs> and now there's only 239 grams left. That's what I am. Honestly, I, I'm a, I, my mind's not right. It just isn't. Never has been. When I watch, other people would watch <laughs> this. so sad. It's so sad, isn't it? Honestly, I'm... I get it under maybe halfway the bag, the beans. It's yeah. like, oh, the bag's feeling really light now. And to be fair. It's like, I'm going to have to order some more. To be fair, I'm taking the bag. Like, if I was to make a margarita, it's like to make my own drinks, mm. right? If it was a tequila, I wouldn't go, oh, God, I've already had a sip. It's because coffee beans are, like, ridiculously expensive. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. to get nice ones, so there is an element of that, right? But it is, you know, consistent with her personality. Everyone else is like, what a really cool match between Sheeta and Willow Nightingale, and I don't resent people for having that opinion, mm. but when I watched it, I'm thinking, what an actual, legitimate sensation Willow Nightingale could be, mm -hmm. and what a shame that she doesn't, if they put a tenth of the effort they put into crafting the big Hangman Page arc into Willow Nightingale, like, I'm telling you, like, a sensation, mm. that's the bond she has. If there was anybody else, right, on that roster, and I know it's a work, I know it's fake, but if there's anybody else on that roster who would get, like, you lost the chance to win the TBS title in a match. You lost the chance to contend mm. for the women's world title in a match. And then, oh, guess what? You've got a match of the world title. I think, oh, this prick. Mm. I know it's fake, but I really resent this character. None of that for Willow Nightingale. No, no. None of that for Willow Nightingale. She's tremendous. She could be a sensation. They are taking the piss with her. And I was just watching this going, imagine the crowd reaction. Imagine them firing up for this. I thought the work here was really strong. It's yeah. so hard to do an old baby face match and not just completely lose the crowd. Obviously, it wasn't hot, but that was a, a theme throughout the night. They got dueling chance going, as you said, with the one count. They really got the fans into it. Like It's kind of hard to do that in a baby face match. Mm -hmm. It really is. And they just worked it really well, and they just deserve so much more. Uh, so post-match, Sheeda and Nightingale shake hands. Here comes timeless Tony Storm with her butler. What's his name again? Luther. Um, he's in black and white. He's That's got, his name? Yeah. He's got a shoe. Still laughing at Dad butler. She just smacks her away, decks Storm with a running knee and chases her through to the back. Whilst all that's happening, the lights go out. Julia Hart's in the ring, um, offers Nightingale a handshake. Before that can uh, progress, though, here comes Sky Blue. It looks like she's about to miss Nightingale, but she spins around and miss Julia Hart with a blue mist. Yeah, that was a twist, I guess, a missed twist. Like, but I wasn't asked either way. Yeah. Like, she probably should have just turned heel, Sky Blue. Like... So what, the, so the black mist no longer could ipped? Is that what we're saying? Like weeks and weeks and weeks of the eye makeup and it's like, I wasn't actually could ripped it at all. Was it like, was she long con? I don't care. It's not. It's not good. It's not great stuff. It's, it's, you can do two things at the same time. You can campaign for women's storylines and you can also campaign for good women's storylines. Yeah. 
which is one of the other. Speaking of, I lost I lost it with Timeless Tony this week in the same week as Roddy Strong. I have tried, oh Lord, I have tried to stick with the, these characters and in the same week. I was like, oh yeah, I get why people are really pissed off with these. Just didn't work for me at all. Mm. Like it's just it just looks stupid. It's gimmicks over it's characters. It's so at this point. incredibly hard to take seriously. They're not personality traits. They're cartoon characters. And yes. this is like yesterday, I was sat on a frigging podcast defending Scooby Doo, and I'm aware that <laughs> this will make me sound yeah. like a hypocrite. And whenever I use the word context, Cedric compares me to Eric Bischoff, but I really believe in it. Really believe in it. The context of a stupid Scooby Doo chase for a trophy in a spooky house, in the context of NXT, makes more sense than Timeless Tony Storm and Roddy Strong in the context of AEW. I, like, I honestly mm. believe that there are just places where characters fit and where they don't in wrestling. Uh, before we move on, let's uh, play the game. Before we get to the uh, name of the game, what's the aim of the game? The aim of the game is to identify to the hour, minute, and second, the first time you hear the first entrance note for the first entrance theme, that makes no sense, <laughs> of the uh, first women's wrestler to appear for the only match with one day. If we get it to the hour, minute, and second, it'll really just underscore, put and bold, italicize just how apathetic and redundant and repetitive and endless the cycle really is. That's the aim of the game. <laughs> the aim of the game. <laughs> well, this is ladies' night, and I'm thinking, ooh, what a night! Ah. <laughs> I'm demeaning myself. <laughs> what a flourish! Yeah, <laughs> gotta keep it interesting for the guys. For the uh, shout out to uh, Jose Palomares. Be sure what I think. At the Ho Eleven, stepping up. Got the YouTube faces, you know. With uh, Adam Blair at Adam Wilson for in uh, Cyprus for work. <laughs> the Gary Linekers. Jose, state of AW address. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jose Barmaris uh, stepping up with uh, Adam Wiltervoort in Cyprus with work uh, at the Ho Eleven. Um, they always take care of the um, data for this one. Uh, I got closest. Oh. Six to me, eight to you, Hamlet Sidgwick, still leading with nine though, so far this year. Uh, right, very quickly before we get to the main event, MJF's backstage with uh, the acclaimed and Daddy Ass. Cass like, looks like you stuck with us, um, but we'll only tag with you, actually, on two conditions. You have to scissor us, and you have to wear what's in this bag. MJF looks in, he's like, I'm not doing that. He's got an option left, though. He turns around into the people he probably should have chosen. Planet Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Sanjay, Satnam, Jeff, and Karen are there. And Jeff says, Max, we're here to help. And MJF just gives him a look and goes, I'm going to join the acclaimed. An unbelievable sight. It was a good sight gag. It was a really well done sight gag. A wall of villains that the acclaimed and MJF have all missed mm. somehow. And they all do this sort of giving gaze. And that's again like big baby face stuff for MJF mm -hmm. because it's like acknowledging that these are the worst, the case worst people. guys. Like, really, not just my Jarrett Mark. Like, this was a nice touch across the board. And like Jarrett's face and this whole thing was just priceless as well. Celebrating his one year in AEW. Oh, what, what a, a year. wonderful year it's been. In, in spite of factors. Renee in Pac spite of the general decline of the promotions business and uh, critical reputation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in spite of those factors. Uh, Renee Paquette's backstage with Roderick Strong in the kingdom. Strong calls Adam Cole and is insulted that MGF has never asked them for help. And Cole tells him to shut the hell up and hangs up. Yeah, he's awful. This was the week for me. I was just infuriated by Roderick Strong and not in the good way. I'd, I'm not one of these people like, oh, God, I miss my backbreaker matches. They'll be back. They're fine. I've seen a million of them before anyway. Like, they're great, but, like, there's loads of wrestlers. There's tons of fucking wrestlers. Like, so, sometimes it's fun to have gimmicks. I'm bored of this one. I am bored sick of this one. 
he's just a person who is impossible to take seriously as a viewer, and it's impossible for any of the characters he interacts with to take seriously. He <sighs> ruins everything. Yeah. <laughs> Under the direction of the creative. Main event time, it was the Bing Bing Ging, J.Y. Juice Robinson and the Guns versus MJF, Daddy Ass, and the Acclaimed. Uh, very quickly, your thoughts on uh, MJF decked out in pink, including a matching Burberry scarf. Oh, man, yeah, the scarf totally made it. We've seen yeah. MJF in pink before, but like, and what a nice moment it was to give you something before the Remember MJF was... and Lilac? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the first Fighter Fest. Yes. Uh-huh. But the second Fighter Fest, 2020. Like, it's so bright, oh, isn't it? Oh, God. Like, before they even gave you the scissoring, this was like, we can give you something else as well. I was, I like that. Uh, MJF wants Jay White, obviously, uh, but he ducks in the corner and it's uh, Raga, Juice Robinson, and Anthony Bones who start us off. Daddy Ass and Austin make tags. Father and son square off. Austin trips him up. It's a little shake, rattle, and roll. Uh, Daddy Ass takes both, takes out both of his sons and tells him, suck it. Um, so funny that. Yes. Uh, White, <laughs> very weird. Yeah. White comes in and tells Daddy Ass to suck it. Um, <laughs> well, no, Amsterdam, even in a way. Uh, the acclaimed daddy asks what MGF to scissor before commercial, but once again, he refused. Uh, when we come back, Bowens tags in, scissors daddy ass, hits scissor me timbers. MGF's about to join in uh, on the uh, scissoring party, but the acclaimed daddy ass get pulled to the outside. Caster gets uh, over eventually after they've been isolated as a result of all that. Gets over to MGF for the hot tag. White runs for his life. MGF batters everyone. Robinson, the guns. Uh, he chases White. Uh, Aust- As he gets back in the ring, though, Austin and Colton are waiting for him. They go for the 310 to Yuma, uh, but he fights out of it. DDT, kangaroo kick, huge pep. White sneaks in from behind, though. Hits him with the Blade Runner. One, two, three. He pins the world champion. Post-match, the guns and Juice Robinson brawl with the acclaimed and daddy ass, uh, leaving Jay White alone. He's going to clobber MGF with the title. Just as MJF gets up and turns around, Max Caster comes in and takes the bullet, takes the title shot uh, for MJF. Bullet club, goal, bing, bing, gang, get out of there. MJF realizes, I'm going to have to do it, aren't I? Daddy ass yells in his face to do it, basically. And then we get a four-way scissor for everything that they've done for Max. Uh, and a lovely closing image there. Nice. Match wasn't great. I'm getting really pissed off with Daddy ass. You remember years ago when Shane came back and there was this real feeling in the pit of your stomach of, like, WrestleMania season comes around and Shane was the first guy on the whiteboard. Like, Vince going, what have we got for Shane? Mm. Yeah. There's, like, loads of actual, like, world champions. What have we got for Shane? I feel like Daddy Ass is doing that in his own matches. What have we got for me? Where's my big spot? And it's like, make you, like, the eighth guy in this. Chinned Jay White. So much of him. Like, I know it was his birthday and they were, like, just trying to do a nice thing for him, but, like, the the nice thing has been in the frigging main event, pal, at your age and your ability level when there's all these big stories around you that need you in them the least. And I got a bit wound up by that, but the aesthetics of MJF with the acclaimed were lovely, well-earned. The scissoring was well-earned. It's a nice payoff to a story that was feeling kind of weird. So, like, this, like MJF gaining more and more friends when he needs them the most, I think, is good for that character in the situation that he currently finds himself in. So I quite like that as well. Uh, not the happy ending, but a happy ending mm-hmm. for the Dynamite was good, too. The vibes were good. The match was not. <sighs> it's just not it. This MGFJY program is not it, has not been it from the very start. And on last night's episode, the evidence of it, it continues to not be it. This is an AEW world title program. Is it w- up there with the very best things AEW has ever done? Not remotely. It's just I, I hold MGF's work and AEW's book into the highest possible standard. I'd be lying to myself and to everyone watching. Thank you, listening, if I said that this was it. Um, it's been crushing disappointment to me, this. Um, 
it's like the acclaimed in this match. Again, it's uh, like MGF and the acclaimed, two popular acts coming together. A babyface supergroup. How novel is that? You're joking. Not another one? This one at least plays off a real friendship between the two Maxes, like a long, massive running Twitter gag. So you can imagine them coming together for the people who really love the acclaimed and MGF. This is amazing. At least in context, kind of makes sense. And just, uh, just yeah. Tony Khan plagiarizes himself every week, multiple times. It is so weird. He's got this, like, Bobby Fish. Jay, uh, Jay Lethal losing loads of matches. Stables, gauntlets, babyface supergroups. Like, he just gets excited, doesn't he? And increasingly, I don't, do I? Um, <laughs> it's just... The guns, uh, Bullet Club Gold, they're not the horsemen. Can't take them seriously. Mm. I think them being in a world title program has exposed their ceiling. The I definitely acc- agree with that. They belong just below Yeah, that, just below. Yeah. Jay White's better than this. Uh, the acclaimed just do house show matches. There used to be a real texture to that act. I used to really care about them when they were working Swerving Our Glory. Mm. Even when they were doing like 20 really complex FTR minutes with FTR, it was like, oh, you start leveling up and leveling up and leveling up. And it's amazing to watch. Like you saw a class tag team. Mm. You're not just some really funny guys with funny raps yeah. who are who do moves that are over. Like you, you're class and you're getting even better. This is awesome. When was the last time I felt that for the acclaimed? Last year. They found the level, they do house show matches. MGF is doing house show stuff in this match with the kangaroo kick and stuff. It's it's really over in the building. And the that's outlaws it. work the opener, not the main, Billy. Yes. <laughs> you should know. Yeah, it was just um I just think that. At the very least, Jay White pinning MGF gives him a reason to be the cat that got the cream mm. and a total obnoxious dick and a serious threat next week, at which point next week really needs to start to sell this thing and to make it into a serious world title program because I think that it's over in the building, but I've, I don't, I don't want to draw a couple. I've been at house shows where things have been over in the building yeah, and it's not making this really cool impression on the critical community, like the fans online or whatever. It just doesn't feel... It feels fun in the building and over in the building. It's not the substantive stuff of a main event, and it's a crushing disappointment to me. To be fair to you, like, there's two Dynamites left. Yeah. When this mm-hmm. first kicked off, and with loads like of Belt theft has never worked ever. No, but, like, when this first kicked off, to su- like to support your claims, there was loads of evidence of, you know how these MJF feeds work? Like, as we enter the closing stretch... It gets awesome, and all the silly stuff was to kind of almost throw. You and I've said this time stuff. and time and time and time again on this podcast. Seems like he's almost too far away to get to. Like he could, he's mm. a he's a genius. Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna cut a promo on the week before. Yeah, and I'll go oh, right. Fine, here's my money. But how far did we have to stray away from that to get back to it? Yeah, well, how many? Probably how many weeks far. were missed? And yeah. that, uh, well, let us know your thoughts. Lightweight fun. On AEW Dynamite in the comment section or on X at What Culture WWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at I am Sidgwick. Read you probably it. don't want to. You can read his brilliant ups and downs article at whatculture.com. It's a transcript well. of this podcast. Uh, you can follow me <laughs> at Adam Wilborn. Follow our brilliant editor at It's Adam Nicholas. And follow us all, as I said, at What Culture WWE. What Culture Wrestling Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite Review. My thanks to Hamlet to Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.